Hello and welcome to episode 220 of Three Beers a Movie. I'm Richard Laird. I'm with... Colin McKay. Yay, Colin. Thank you for doing this. <laughs> I was going to say late night. It's quarter to nine, which is pretty much late night for us these days. Late night's relative, isn't it? Because if uh-huh. you work, do you know what I mean, like at half seven in the morning, then yeah, it's, it's late night. Do you know what I mean? So it's relative. So yeah, it is late night for us. Yeah. yeah. Half eight no. feels like late night. If I can make it beyond 11 o'clock <laughs> these days, I feel like I have achieved something, to be honest. I, feel, I don't know what I've achieved. Um, but my days of beating, in, of beating the night and waking with the sun or, or staying up to the sunrises are most definitely I've in done. the past. I'm, yeah. I'm having this kind of crazy thing happening where. Um, this week and, and next week, I'm working late shifts. So I'm starting at 12 in the afternoon, finishing at 8 at night. And I keep saying to myself, right, I'm going to go to bed a wee bit later. And I'll kind of maybe sit up to 1, 2 in the morning watching yeah. the film with Lorraine. And I think I'll sleep in. And I, I can't sleep in. It's just I'm hardwired. I'm, I'm up at the crack of dawn. And I'm, I'm the same. What the fuck am I doing up? And I'm like desperate to just sleep, sleep in. Do you know what I mean? I just can't do it. It's weird. It's horrible. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't, matter what, doesn't matter when I go to my bed, half seven, quarter to eight, my body's waking me up. It, it just it doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's just weird, isn't it? And yeah. it's like no alarms. I say total peace and quiet. Do you know what I mean? Lorraine's still fast asleep. The cat's all snuggled up. I'm like, why am I yeah. fucking awake? And I've nothing to do. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, ah, go back to sleep. But I'm the same. No, so yeah, it's, I'm not enjoying that at all. You know? I feel like, I'm telling, like my grandpa used to be this thing when he used to wake up every morning at 5am. And I thought, how, who could possibly do that? Wake up at 5am every morning. I feel like I'm slowly getting to that point where I'll be that old man who's waking up at 5am <laughs> every morning. I really don't want to be. I swore I'd never become my grandpa. Waking up at five in the morning just for just, there's no reason, there's no purpose to get up at five in the morning. But he was pa- he done it. Patient, patiently waiting for the rest of the world to catch up. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, since he sat around for the first three hours <laughs> waiting for the rest of the world to actually become alive. Um, yeah, so once again, we're doing this from home, doing it via the wonders of Zoom. Um, because obviously, right now, Glasgow is pretty much off limits, not because of the virus this time, but because essentially the world is descending on Glasgow at this point in time. And with all accounts, getting around Glasgow may be a bit of a hassle. Yeah, yeah, COP26, for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, is, is um, being hosted in Glasgow um, yeah. next month. And yeah, there's some some big, big names going to be in Glasgow, isn't there? Like yeah. and, and fucking all kinds of world leaders and Greta protesters. Greta. Yeah. Well, she's going to be protesting, isn't she? She's yeah. going to be kicking up a wee stink, so good on her as well. Um, but yeah, it's going to be, um, I, I guess it's exciting, do you know what I mean, have, having such a big deal. Um, I can't help but feel that so it's all a fucking waste of time, unfortunately, because just to think when your environmental conference is sponsored by Shell, you've you've got a problem. Well, more, more the fact that the, the budget was revealed today in Britain, and one of the things that, that he's kind of buying on about is how he's going to reduce the, the, the cost of internal travel around yeah. Britain. And you're like, that's not really going to help <laughs> help this problem that, that they're all. Well, it could if they make it could if they make it so you don't have it doesn't cost you thirty five quid to get from like Ayrshire to Edinburgh. That would be nice, you know, if you can do it like the, the, the like the German model where like a tenner gets you from one end of the country to the other. Whereas right now, if you want to travel anywhere in this country, it costs you like. You know, at least a tenner for like a twenty-minute journey, which is like sort of ridiculous money. You know, unless but, you live in the but city. Then, but then all that's going to happen is is all the the, the, the poor people like me will start flying everywhere instead of getting buses. I don't think you'll be flying. Everywhere, <laughs> don't worry. I don't think I don't think you get your own helicopter or anything like that. Don't worry about it. Um, but those are problems for more more you know intelligent men and women to try and sort we, out. Than yeah, us. we are here to talk film. No. Film, yeah, we, we don't know much film about this. And, films and beers, that's what we know. Yeah, Man speaking of beers, are you drinking anything tonight, or are you sort of? I'm sorry, you're going to be bitterly disappointed in me, um, and I can feel you judging me already. Um, but yeah, yeah, Bud Light, fair enough. Well, 
Yeah, it's it's a school night. Um, it's a school night. Know, fair enough. It's it's very drinkable and and you know it's it's a beer. It's a beer. I'll it's a post work beer on a Thursday. Yes. It's that's all I can say is that's a beer. There you go. Uh, what are you drinking? I'm sure it's going to be more interesting than my uh, I'm drinking one called Guilo. It's spelled G W E I. Guilo. Polish? Uh, from Northumberland, actually. All right, okay. Um, well, it says Brewed for Guilo International by Allendale Brews. I don't know where it originally comes from. It's got a little Chinese or Japanese symbol on it, like sort of writing on it. So maybe, maybe it's like sort of something from. Uh-huh, kind of. uh-huh. It's, it's from it's, the it's... Hidden Identity uh, IPA, it's called. So I'll have to have a wee check and see where it's from um, properly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it says from the it's, it's Cantonese but, um, sort of oh. stuff on it. So Hong Kong, possibly. Oh, yeah, brewed in Hong Kong. So it's a Hong Kong beer. Well, did you fancy pants? Well Again, done, sir. You, you've moved away from Chicago. Well I've moved away from Chicago. All my Chicago beers are done, so I'm now on to um, whatever random stuff I can find in my fridge. <laughs> whatever's in the back tucked away yeah and um, plus that was a nice can as well I like that can it's that very, very decorative very sort of camouflage has it got sort of a kind yeah. of weird, it's sort of got a bit kind of woodcutty feel to it a little bit you know see when you see the, yeah. kind of, the, kind of, the kind yeah. of Japanese woodcuts obviously it's Hong Kong not Japan but um, has that kind of same style I'm um, kind of finding more and more um, with beers and, and I don't drink wine but Lorraine does but when I'm shopping for it is I'm kind of now more shopping by picture than anything else. You know what I mean? it's like, We've done what, it for years, dude. Nice. If, if, you put a, yeah. if you put a really bright, colourful logo on it with a funny name, then it's pretty much it, it might pull me in more than something and tell me that's a great beer. I am now looking for colourful things, basically. Yeah, uh, it's a cartoon, colourful, that, yeah. that'll do. Do you know what I mean? Like, artsy farts, and you're like, that's good, I'll take that. And yeah. If you put a bear is... on it, for, if you, you put a bear on the front of the can, then that's pretty much I'm going to buy it, you know? Like, I'll yeah, buy you're it. sold on it. Yeah, cubicle, so, cubicle, cat got pissed, and you'll be like, yep, I'll yep. have some of that, because there's a bear on it. There's a bear on it, yep, that's what it, I mean, that's why I was drinking bear face for a long time, you could have had a fucking big giant bear on it, like a guy with a big beard, so, yeah, bears will sell most things to me. Um, but from that, that we'll do, mind. first, before we start talking about cinema view, we will pass reference on the sort of the sadness, and um, I think it was down in New Mexico um, on Monday, when there was an accident on set, which resulted in the death of a... Uh, director of photography, Helia Hutchins. Um, she was killed by a, well, a bullet, essentially, but um, she was shot by an actor, um, by Alec Baldwin, who was like sort of angry person the scene from what I've been reading yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, yeah. He seems to have been told he was getting handed a, a non-live weapon. Um, yeah. And he's, he's, he's fired the gun and obviously it's unfortunately killed her and wounded, and wounded the director as well on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. But so it must have been, yeah. been some fucking power to go through her and hit the director oh, as well, unless it was close range, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Well, guns and bullets are scary things. This, this totally. is fucking, this is horrible, isn't it? It's just, I mean, how can it happen? Do you know I mean, how? That's what I mean, we all, know, we all know the story of Brandon Lee, obviously, how you yeah, know, that yeah. happened back in the, what was the early 90s that happened, roughly, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it feels like some... With- is this something that shouldn't or, happen? It shouldn't be Brandon, but I think it was, um, I don't think it was live rounds. I believe it was... The blanket stuck in the car, the car to get stuck in the gun. Yeah, and then kind of part of it came out. But with us, from what I'm reading, it, is, it was live rounds, which which again, you've got to, how, how can Aye. that happen? And on, you know, on a professional movie set with standards, safety, get, how the fuck yeah. can, you know, an actor be handed... A gun me live rounds. Yeah, and, and not be told this. You know, if one thing yeah. you hand him it and say this, he's got a live round. If he does that, then not this it, problem doesn't happen. But he was even told that. It seems absolutely crazy. It's, it's horrible. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, my heart goes out to to the the, the, the kind of women that's lost their life, the director and Ali Baldwin as well. It's it's just devastating. It really is. Um, I just hope that the industry, you know, kicks its own arse and sorts. Well, it's interesting. I was reading up about this and sort of like the the reason why they use sort of live rounds or, or rounds, even blank rounds in a weapon on set is because like you get the the muzzle flash, that's sort of what they look for. And also you get the reaction from the actor because there's, there's a genuine recoil on it. So you get the sort of the real yeah. experience. Um, but listening to a lot of people who talk like sort of professionals basically saying this is they can do this. You can do You can get a completely fake gun that has a wee bit of a recoil. So, you know, you get a bit of a, a kickback to it. And obviously actors can then act. There's no muzzle flash on it, but apparently the muzzle flash, when it's, it can be put in digitally. Anyway, and it doesn't take much. So yeah. it's, it's literally like one frame of a cell to get the muzzle flash. So it's not even a big, um, a big job. Um, and also half the time when they fire a gun on set, because the muzzle flash is so quick, it doesn't get captured on set on the camera. Anyway, they have to put it in by post. Anyway, yeah. And so, so what, was, yeah. what I was reading as well, saying like so that takes one digital artist like maybe like half a day to do it to cost them like so much money, which is not that much. Whereas if you have a live rounds on set, in theory, you should have, you lose about, you know, everything you do, you, have like, you lose about three or four hours of filming because you have, like, safety briefings, handing out, like, earplugs to, you know, make sure it's all set. So it adds so much time onto a shooting process for, for like, one scene just because there's a live yeah. round. So you're not, you want to even question, like, why would you not just do it digitally now? I know yeah. people like the real thing, but it's like, if you're doing most of it digitally anyway and half the time it doesn't even do it real for real anyway, then what's the point in putting people in danger like yeah. this? Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't. I mean, one life lost, you know, is is. I don't think there's fortunately been that many fatalities in this fashion. There's only been a handful. With one, yeah. it's too many. One, yeah, exactly. Many, I mean, without without, you know, it happening again. Um, yeah, it's horrible. Um, you kind of get it back do, in the fifties doing it. Like, why you need to do it? But now in this day and age, like, you don't need to do it. So why bother yeah. doing it? Same, we don't yeah. always have. You know, we all love practical effects, but sometimes it's easier to do it digitally because it's it. You don't put anyone in danger. Yeah, yeah, it's safer. As you say, it's probably cheaper as well, um, yeah. you know, and it's quicker. So, you know, you take the sensible option and do that. Yeah. Um, just to, to light the mood before we move on, because that is yes. quite a somber subject. Um, so. it, it brings to, to, to recall a story I heard about Kylie Minogue um, and, and firearms. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, you're light the mood. Um, on the set of the, the Street Fighter movie. Where, okay. Where the, the infamous Street Fighter movie with Sean God Van Damme and... and uh, Julia, um, Julia. Um, apparently when they were doing the, the weapons scenes, there's a scene in it where Minogue fires a rocket launcher. And, yes. You know, she had this rocket launcher, you know, are you going to be okay? And, and you know, that, that's big, big, be careful. And she fired it and apparently she never even blinked. She was so unfazed but, by firing this fucking RPG. She tells you what fucking... kind of life that um, Kelly Minogue lives offset. She's, she's like a complete <laughs> totally. gun nut for all you know. Badass as fuck. I was really impressed when I heard that story. I was like, "Wow, Kylie Minogue. Okay, don't you know? Fucking don't mess with Kylie. She'll fucking shoot you." Use a rocket launcher. Shit. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Maybe let's go into stuff we normally talk about, and that is cinema and usually TV as well. From yourself, what have you been watching of interest? I know you've not watched much of the the featured movies this week. What have you watched of interest this week? Okay, so I'll quickly not through my list. I've not got a lot this week. What I want to do, but is I want you to rewind. Four weeks to okay. one that I wanted to mention to you that I watched, um, but I never, um, and I thought it'd be quite interesting to see your reaction. So about a month ago, um, we're kind of choosing horror films just now, and, and I'd mentioned to Lorraine I'd never watched The Blair Witch Project. All right, um, okay. So, 
Lorraine put on the Blair Witch Project um, and I watched it and it has now got a rating of one on my IMDb score okay. because it was fucking dreadful. Um, okay. Terrible, de- terrible film. You've seen it, yeah? Yes. Do you like it? Well, this is the weird, this is the thing. So when Blair Witch Project came out, it was 1997, I think it was, when it came out. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, was, I was about 13 or 14 when it came out. And it was right at the cusp of when the internet was not really accessible to all of us. You know, it wasn't really sort of this thing you could use at, at nausea and with ease. So the rumour of this film not being a film started, you know, and that was a part of the marketing, was this film was yeah. a, real, a real event. That's true. Yeah. So I remember the hype of the Blair Witch Project. I remember going to see the Blair Witch Project and watching it and being... In many ways, quite disappointed by it because I, I didn't really, you know, a lot of stuff's in black and you don't really see much of it. But yeah. when you look back at it, you appreciate what it did from like sort of a marketing point of view and sort of using the money they had, the minimal budget they had, in order to make something and to explode it. Because it made, it's like, I think it's one of the, possibly the biggest independent movie of all time up into, like, in terms of um, ratio, you know, money spent yeah. to money made. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. So I think you're right. I, I do. I, I, I've not watched it. I've probably not watched it since. I maybe I was about fifteen or sixteen. You know, I've not watched it since. So I'll be wondering how we go back to see it. But I do. Obviously, the problem is it's been so imitated in so many different movies and so many different times that yeah, yeah. the original impact of this film the first time around, I think, will be completely lost. But I do remember at the time, it generally did creep me out. It did, it did, it did kind of mess with me a lot about because you didn't really know much about it. Um, yeah. But what, looking back on it from what I can remember, being a filmmaker, an actual film. It's not a great film, but it's it's a well done piece of art, if that makes sense. Mm. Oh no, I suffered all the way through. I was, yeah, I, no, was I totally actually, get that. Yeah, I was, I was proper miserable. Um, yeah, the, the, the kind of lead girl in it was was one of the most annoying people <laughs> I've ever seen in celluloid. I, I was yeah. honestly like, really sad. And Lorraine, you know, kept kind of, "Are you okay?" <laughs> she, she was <laughs> she, genuinely concerned that I was so kind of sad and, and miserable watching this film. But um, I just thought I'd share that with you that, that I watched it after all these years, and um, yeah, I was bitterly disappointed. It's um, definitely a product of its time. I would say that 1999 it came out. Sorry, um, and it's definitely a product of its time. It's not of something its- that's. It had to be seen. I think for the film, by the way, it had to be seen at the time it was t- it was it was made. I think anything I, after that, it sort of it becomes thing, very obvious. I, I remember the hype because um, obviously I was a kind of big boy around about then. Mm. <laughs> I was all grown up, so I do remember the hype and all that. But I think even had I been known the hype back then, I would have been bored shitless. Um, I, really I wasn't. Was, I wasn't bored shitless by it, but it was. It was at the time when I was like when I was. So I was about fifteen, so it was maybe in, it was in that cost when I was about. 12, between about 12 and 15 when I started really properly discovering film. So this mm. sort of became a really important kind of touch of the idea of like not every film has to be, you know, Independence Day and Godzilla and Jurassic Park. There is a sort of, there's, a, there's another film market yeah. there. You know, yeah. things like Blair Witch, things like Clerks, Reservoir Dogs, you know, Sex Life and Video Tapes, all that kind of stuff mm. that was made on a low budget and is doing more than just being the big blockbuster. So it was a, in that yeah. way, it was, a, it was a, not an important, I wouldn't say it was an important film, but it sort of, it, it opened your eyes up to something else. And, Again, looking back on it, the marketing of that film was pretty much fucking spectacular. You yeah, know, to, yeah. To, to, to oh, do what it sure. did, yeah. and they got they got the it got the bodies in the door. You know, it's like it made yeah. ridiculous amounts of money that film, like massive amounts yeah. of money on, on a budget of you know our fucking monthly wage. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, right. it was you know the, you know the couple of guys on and done. You remember that uh, Metallica one? There's some kind of monster Metallica documentary. Yeah. Of it. Uh-huh. They've done that. If you get a chance, look for the, the remake of Blair Witch is actually not too bad. They've done a remake. I've, with... se- I've, se- I've seen the remake. Um, that was the one that was out last year, year before. 
I think maybe two or three years ago, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen, seen that and it was... Well, five all, years ago was out. <laughs> yeah, that was all right, because um, I remember going to the cinema and seeing that, but I'd never seen anything prior to it. So that was my first introduction, but yeah. Anyway, moving anyway, on. Everyone. <laughs> other stuff that, that I've seen. So um, the other night I watched um, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I liked that. I enjoyed that. I quite enjoyed it. Um, Guillermo del Toro, um, his influence is all over it because he wrote some of it. The creatures um, look like some of the creatures from Hellboy, from what I remember. A lot. Yeah, there's yeah, 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 definitely uh, Pan's Labyrinth as well. There is yes. a, a definite kind of, you know, Creature feel that that you know you can see it's, it's his design and mind that, that's come up with him. Yes, but yeah, it, it was enjoyable. I mean, it was squarely aimed at you know a kind of younger audience. Um, you know, very much aimed at you know your, your kind of teen audience and stuff like that. But um, no, it was a lot better than than I was expecting it to be. Um, and it's yeah, tropey, it, but it's it does the tropes yeah. well. You know, it, yeah. that's thing you can be a, you can be a film that that, that that goes with the tropes and, and does all the things you expect to do. But if you can do them well and do them in an interesting way, it doesn't feel boring or derivative. And I think Absolutely. that's about yeah. it's like it doesn't do anything new, really. It doesn't do anything like, mm-hmm. sort of different. But what mm-hmm. it does do, it does very well. Really, really well. So I watched yeah. that and I enjoyed that immensely. Um, I watched a film called The Bat. Um, this is a, a 1959 film um, starring Vincent Price. Okay. And it's all about um, a killer's going about murdering people and with he's got claws in his hands and he rips their throats out. Um, and this kind of woman ends up in a house and the bat's trying to get into the house and, you know, ends up about who's the bat and will the bat catch her and stuff like that. Um, absolute nonsense, Hokum, but great fun to watch. Um, great by a man called, you don't get names like this anymore, Crane Wilbur. That is a magnificent Crane. name. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we've talked about this before. But this, the guy who he was born in 1886, so he's like he was born before the invention of film, essentially. And he's sort of like, yeah, this. he's he's making movies. And Vincent Price, you forget every time I see, but I've seen quite a lot of movies recently with Vincent Price in it, and mm. you forget how good he was. He, he really did have magnetism and that voice it has, that kind of velvet tone he's got and stuff like that. He's a really really good actor. Vincent if the 1950, if it was a 1950 film, that was probably the time when he wasn't quite a parody of himself. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, he was kind of heading towards that. It was more seventies. He started doing the, the kind of silly, silly parodies. But yeah, yeah, at this point, he was still, you know, still this is what he, this is what he basically is parodying in twenty years' time. It's sort of what he's yeah. like, sort of taking the piss, not that, taking the piss, but that's sort of like what he became. He became that sort of that character. Yeah, but it, it was a very good film, and it was quite kind of twisty as well, trying to figure out who who the bat is because you know it was kind of set up. There's a three or four potential suspects to be the bat. Mm. And it wasn't revealed until pretty much, you know, the, the kind of dying scenes and stuff like that. I nailed it, I guess, halfway through. I was like, he's the bat, and I got it right. So I was quite impressed with myself. Well done. Um, but that, that that was a lot of fun. Um, we watched another old film, not as old, um, but um, a classic, Night of the Living Dead. Lorraine had never seen it. All right, okay. Um, so we put on old school, black and white, George Romero, Night of the Living Dead. And so that movie still holds up ridiculously see? well. I don't think it does. Oh no! No, no, no! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not questioning what it means and what it brought mm. to the world. Again, it's maybe a bit like you with Blair Witch Project. Maybe you saw this film at the opportune time in your life, where you still have that nostalgia for it, and it still hits you in that way. I think it's. I think it put some good ideas out there. And I think, and I, I can understand why yeah. at a time it was first made, why it would be so. Like such a revelation. You've got an mm. African American lead. You've got this sort of real kind of like 
not as much gore in it as you think there is. There's some, but there's not as much in it. Yeah. The yeah. difference between to me when I watched, remember, I remember watching these when I was a kid, um, or maybe like 16, 17. And the, the jump in quality from Night of Living Dead to Dawn of the Dead is fucking huge. Like Dawn of the Dead, mm. I will rewatch continually. You know, I'll never not watch that film. Yeah. But Night of Living Dead, I, I I will really actually go back and watch it. And that's how this discussed with somebody recently about the Evil Dead as well, like the first Evil yeah. Dead film. I don't really watch that often. I don't really have that much pull towards it. But Evil Dead 2 is an absolute masterpiece. You know, it's, like, it's just... Night Living Dead is almost like a proving ground for what Romero could do. You know, he sort of it's hip really it's his, almost like his test feature. Um, but it is, there's more to it than that. But I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not as big a fan of it as you. I think it's a great, it's a good film, but I think Dawn of the Dead is a great movie. No, no, I, no, I agree. Um, Dawn of the Dead is, is a step up, um, and possibly the Dead of the Dead after that, maybe possibly hmm. it's, it's a discussion for another time. But no, it's just, it's just so iconic, and it just. It, it just gave us that idea of what a zombie is. Yeah, no, that's what it's so influential. It, it puts yeah, down so I mean, many things that are now still just demanded of a zombie of a zombie movie. Even yeah, even in Walking Dead, it's, it's ripping off Night of, Night of the Living Dead and everything. Um, every zombie movie, and you're expecting about, uh, it. You you almost you demand it in a film. You, you, like we still have this debate over the shuffling zombie because that was a, a shuffling zombie in this, and that's a trope of it should be a shuffling zombie. And all people like these fast speed freak demon zombies. Although I was going to bring that up to you, um, what I did notice and I, I kind of didn't really pick up on it before is at the start in the graveyard scene where there's zombies chasing the girl. Mm. He, he's kind of running. And ah, he's got a speed thing, yeah. There's bits in it where they're using tools as well. They're, they're picking up bricks and Aye. you know they're kind of. Smashing the car lights with kind of bricks and stuff. So there's an, there's and, an intelligence here, whereas in, like, yeah, in Dawn of the which, Dead, there's no intelligence. Whereas yeah, when you get the, to uh, Day and Land, he's reintroducing that idea of like so even even a hive mentality and sort of you know yeah. sort of that kind of thing. So it is weird that he, he sort of they almost regress in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it was it's weird, but I'd never noticed that before. Mm. Like, I'd noticed it, but never kind of really given it any thought that they use tools and you know they kind of run and there are more movement and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's strange. I never noticed that, but yeah, very much enjoyed that. Um, Lorraine liked it as well, so that, that I may have to rewatch it again. See, but I remember I have rewatched it many times. I have got it on DVD. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, dude, it's low budget as fuck. And the, oh, the, totally. You know, yeah, the, the quality is, is dreadful. Um, a lot of the acting's. Awful. They kind of the lead actor's great. Um, yeah, but, you know a, a lot of the acting is, is really, really, really bad. Um, you know, so the, I I get all the bad things about it, but I don't know if I guess that's what makes me love it even more. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, again, like I said, I think you probably again you probably saw it at the right time because yeah. I didn't see. I yeah. saw Don. I saw Don of the Dead first. Um, mm. that used to show on BBC Two all the time, like late night on BBC right. Two. Yeah. So I saw that first, yeah. and then eventually I had to go hunt out Night Living Dead. So. I kept so when I, I felt when I watched it, I'm going, this feels like not as good when it should be yeah. all the way around, you know. Yeah, you feel like you, no, you watch the original. I mean, um, don't know, Don of the Dead is, is, you know, I mean, that is way up there. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Possibly the greatest zombie movie ever made. Um, quite, quite possibly. Um, so no, I, I get what you're saying, absolutely. But um, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Last one we watched, um, just last night, um, I think I was just kind of struggling to find something a good horror and, and I was like I'm watching this so I put on um, A Stir of Echoes it's good. it's good yeah I've seen it before a long yeah. time ago I didn't really remember much and I thought well, I'm going to put this on and yeah it kind of rekindles that love for Kevin Bacon you forget that you know Kevin Bacon's more than just a parody of Kevin Bacon Kevin Bacon on a day on a good day can fucking act his socks off you know the, the, the man's got some serious talent yeah Um, it, he's just 
kind of become bigger than himself, unfortunately, um, and parodied, you know, by himself as well. But, you know, when you watch him and stuff like that, um, you know, you just like, Kevin Bacon, yeah, man, he's, he's, he's got it. You know, he's Kevin Bacon for a reason, um, definitely. I remember, I remember reading about Kevin Bacon himself at this time, he was sort of, he doesn't really look back at this point, he's clearly much love. Um, I think mm-hmm. maybe recently he's just, he began to sort of reframe a little bit and sort of, because like, remember he would never talk about Tremors, he thought it was just a stupid B-movie he did. But obviously oh. there's been a lot of there's a lot of love for that film and, and yeah. since then. I think this might have been that, that little sort of bracket where he thought just maybe a, a horror film. He didn't really he done it because he needed a paycheck, there's, a, there's money going about, he wanted to do he needed to do he needed to feed his kids, he needed to you know pay yeah. the mortgage. Yeah. The film. So I don't think at the time we looked upon him with any great sort of love, but I think maybe in uh, over recent years I'm, I'm hoping he's looking back on this kind of one with a bit more affection because even if he didn't enjoy the work at the time, what has came out of it was very enjoyable stuff. Yeah, really, really good film. Quite sad as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And um, Kevin's Descent into Madness is, is quite quite a joy to watch as yeah. well. Uh, you know, it, it does do that spiral and Madness really, really well. So there's, um, yeah, just it just kind of really, you know, reaffirm my love for Kevin Bacon and why I like him so much. And, you know, it, it does just watch him. You, know, like you can see, you know, a man doing his craft and you're like, yeah, he's... Fucking got it, man. You know, he's got it. He's not just Kevin Bacon that does E ads and, and, you know, stuff like that. He's, you know, Kevin Bacon's a proper, proper actor, man. Yeah. The only the only real knock on that film is what it what it ended up doing. Um, Because uh, the director of that film is a guy called David Coat, who I don't know if you know the name, but he's um quite well known as Spielberg's writer. So he wrote a lot of like, um, like Indiana Jones and he wrote um, War of the Worlds and... Jurassic Park and Spider Man, he, he, he Lost World, he'd done an adaptation for that, Mission Impossible, The Shadow, he, he, he done the, the screenplay for that as well. Um, so he done that, he, then he decided he's going to be directing, so like, as every mm-hmm. sort of struggling writer does eventually. So he done yeah. the he done Star of Echoes, then he followed up with Secret Window, the one with um, Johnny Depp. Uh-huh. Then he done Ghost Town, the one with um, Ricky Gervais, which apart of it, I've not, I can't remember seeing it that well. I've not it was, seen, but yeah. I heard good things about it. Yeah. They've done that one called Premium Rush, one about the bike. Um, well, I've not seen that, but I know all that. I know what it is. I've I enjoyed it a lot. It. And then he has his directing career seems to have like stalled, and rightly so, because he's done a film called Mordecai. Oh, was that him? That was him oh, directing Mordecai, oh, yes. He, he's got a lot to a lot of sins <laughs> to atone for, a lot <laughs> of fucking sins. Um, I, I think that may have been one of the most boring times we've ever spent in a cinema. I think that film it almost is, broke me, to be honest, as, as a human. It, um, that, that it, one really it was did. horrible. Um, it, it, God, I remember, I, I can actually remember us watching it and every single gag just fucking dropped. dropped. <laughs> it was like, like a lead not, balloon in the room. Not, not one single gag landed. None. No, and this was, we, we was relatively busy, we saw it, and it was just basically people was watching it pure sight. One, Maniac that was laughing, I'm sure. But I remember the thing that made me one, it made me one crazy person. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we're like, dude, it was like so. Oh man, he he really. How can you go from like, like Star of Echoes and Premium Rush and stuff like that to, to that? Where's I, I don't Where's get it? how you can just <laughs> it's true. It's jump true. off the ledge, you know? It's yeah. like, come on, man, you know, fucking hell. Yeah, read, read, read the signs, they're there. Don't, don't yeah. do it, don't do it, man. He has, a good, he has a good writer. He has a good writer. Unfamous David. He didn't write that film. He has a good writer. He's a good, like sort of. I'm trying. He's sort of like almost like a Michael Crichton-esque writer. Sort of writes these kind of really kind of good, kind of almost pulpy action beach reads. You know, he writes that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I read one last year called Cold Storage, I think it's called, and I've generally really enjoyed it. I mean, it's utterly, it's utterly bollocks, utterly stupid about a virus escaping the, in the cold. And it's it, but when when you, you keep reading it and then before you know you've finished it, but you then you look back and go, that was utterly stupid, but you enjoy it all the way through. I remember reading um, a long time ago now a book by Michael Clayton called Airframe. I want yeah, to one of the plane crash, loved it. Technical as hell, but fucking very. Oh. I remember reading that like I was thirteen. Going, I remember I fell in love with uh, Michael Crane because I was a huge Jurassic Park fan. So like yeah. I bought Jurassic Park. I found that in a bookshop, and Mum bought it for me. And then I really I read the book like, cover to cover in one day because I was like obsessed with Jurassic Park. So after that, for like a couple of Christmases in a row, I kept getting Michael Crane um like novels for Christmas from like yeah. various family members. So I had Airframe also like something yeah. not particularly appropriate for like a twelve or thirteen. No, no, about, like a ten or twelve year old to read them. But I just um, remember being totally like reading everything and thinking, this this is a man that, that knows what he's writing about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the research that's been put in is fucking insane. You know, yeah. it's like it's almost on the levels of the Martian. Do you know what I mean? Just the technical, yeah. You know, know how it's just it's just bombarded with information, and you're just like fucking stop. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't understand these big words and terms you're throwing at me. Let me. Breathe and take it in and think about it. It's fucking brilliant. Really well, brilliant. he's a bit of a crazy bastard, but um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed his writing. Michael Crichton when he was around, he was a very enjoyable uh, writer for me. Crichton done. It wasn't called the Thirteenth Warrior. Was it Eaters of the Dead? Eaters of the Dead. He done like stuff like Lo- um, Westworld. Well. He did yeah, um, yeah. Andromeda Strain and Sphere. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Lost World, obviously Jurassic yeah. Park. There's a ton of, at one point he was a sort of like the go-to guy in Hollywood. Next to Stephen yeah. King, he was the guy who if you he brought a book out, it was a, it was getting you know you know auctioned off for um about filming before he even finished it. You know he just basically yeah. writing. You know, the street um, studios would, would want it. They would fight uh, for it. And yeah, I think yeah, he did. Did you not do Medicine Man? Also, the one with Sean Connery. Um, um he have done as well. Yeah, he did that as well. Yeah, um, yeah. Con- Congo. I mean, Congo is an absolute classic. I love I love the book. <laughs> I love the film. I love everything Congo's about Congo. Great. Yeah. I do love Congo. Oh, dude. We share some strange loves, don't we? Congo so is a great movie. That... I'll hear yeah, nothing against it. it. Anyway, <laughs> move on to some, some slightly more recent films in Congo. Um, <laughs> um, so the first one we'll talk Congo. about is one that's on Netflix. I did tell you to watch if you haven't watched it, I'll tell you about it anyway, see if I can convince you to watch it. And that film is called Till Death, um, directed by S.K. Dale, and it's his debut feature. Um, the film is about basically it's a woman and her husband um, who seem to have a very touchy relationship. There seems to be something that definitely, hang on a second, Jill is going to break the, the, the fire. Let's go. Three, two, one. So the film is a husband and wife. They seem to have a quite a touchy relationship. That, um, you know, it doesn't seem like they're one of the happiest relationships, but they're out celebrating their anniversary. And part of the anniversary, the husband takes the wife away to a sort of secluded farmhouse, um, a sort of holiday home where they're going to spend a, an evening doing such and such. Um, anyway, she wakes up in the morning and she is handcuffed to him. He sits on the edge of the bed and he shoots himself, hmm. thus leaving her handcuffed to him. At the same time, she finds out that there are people coming to kill her um, because the husband is a bit of a douche and believes that he, she is having an affair with um, one of his um, sort of workmates. And oh, so he's... Essentially, yeah, and this is this this is the ultimate revenge for him, um, and sort of his ultimate power move to show that he's he's always going to be in charge. Okay, it's a real douchebag thing. It's a very douchebag move. Yeah, (laughs) Um, you've got in the film you get Megan Fox, um, you've got Ian McKay, 
Colin Mulvaney, Jack Roth, and Amal Amin. So, but basically, it's, Meg, it's a Megan Fox show in this film, obviously, because it's, it's she's the main, uh, main protagonist. Um, it's very much a standard straight to DVD thriller. Um, it moves along at a decent pace. It follows most of the thriller rules. You know, there's a nice kind of third act reveal. There's a kind of, you know, the you know the, the bumbling idiot at one point, and there's a sort of you know the, the really sadistic one. And it's just sort of it, it doesn't really do much. There's no characters, and you go, oh, that's completely new. Nothing particularly new about it. Yeah. Um, the problem it's the problem I had with it is like they both seem utterly miserable with each other at the very start of the film. So I didn't really understand this sort of need to sort of have them together. Yeah. I felt like I think if I was her, I'd be like making my way away out already. Um, yeah, there is a sort of maybe it's maybe trying to make comments on like gaslighting and you know sort of being in an almost abusive relationship and why somebody would stay and it's trying to sort of get to the, the root of that, but it doesn't really dwell on that too much. All you really got from it was these are two very ha- very pretty people and a very pretty life, but none of them are happy. Which you know maybe pretty people shouldn't be happy. Who knows? Um, there are some nice tense moments in it. And it does also wrap up nicely in about ninety minutes. So I was yeah. pretty pleased with that. You know, it's, it moves, that. yeah, it's it's a solid enough ninety-minute thriller. Nothing breaking the mold, but again, nothing particularly bad about it. Um, but what I did enjoy in it, and what I've been enjoying recently, is um, Megan Fox. Megan Fox is a much better actress than people remember. Well, I was going to that the exact question I was going to post you was: Can Megan Fox act? I was actually going to ask you that question. So absolutely can because before literally tell me the day before, tell me why. Well, don't know. Literally the day before this, I sat and watched for the first time since it was about you know since about when the first came out. I think I sat and rewatched Jennifer's Body. Have you seen Jennifer's okay. Body? Seen bits of it. Okay, Jennifer's Body. <laughs> there's, a pun, there's a pun. There's a pun. I get it. Um, <laughs> I recall Jennifer's Body, for example, was being paced. basically the market for Jennifer's Body was come see Megan Fox. Kiss a girl. That was essentially the plot of the film. Okay, that, that was yeah. that, that, that was a marketing campaign towards it. Look how hot Megan Fox is. Wouldn't it be really yeah. hot if she kissed a girl? And yeah. teenage boys in their droves went, yeah, that'd be really hot. I want to go and see that. In reality, what they got was a really interesting movie. It's sort of it is a film that's about 10 years ahead of its time. See you look, can you watch it now? It's very much like a sort of feminist horror film. And it, it feels very much in that mold. Like if it was made now, it'd be held up as a real sort of in the same vein as like a midsummer or you know the craft and you know it'd be, it'd be, in, it'd be in that conversation but it came at just the wrong time i think people just weren't is, this ready for it. A, is this because of megan fox's acting or because it was a well-written film it's a well-written film but she's also very good in it she plays the role really well in that film and also until death she plays the role of this wife pretty well she you get where she's coming you get the character she's playing so I, and i watched the film recently when she played the the, she was hunting a tiger or something in Africa. I was like, you know, I can't remember the name of it now. I'm forgetting the name of it now. But she was good in that as well. She is actually genuinely a good actress. And maybe she's a bit like, as we all say about Brad Pitt, you know, he's a a leading man. He's a he's an actor with leading man looks. And I feel Megan Fox now a little bit. She's not a leading, she's not a brilliant actress, but she's a better actress than, than people give her credit for. But her looks demand that she be, should be like sort of front and centre. And maybe yeah. that's, unfair on her. She is a better actress than what people give her credit for. So I actually really enjoyed her in this film. Um, and it feels odd as she's not had a bigger career. But I'm guessing she's maybe made uh, a few did, wrong choices. Maybe the Spielberg Ma- stuff didn't help her. Did Michael be a runner? 
well, Michael Bay ruins all women because Michael Bay shoots women like basically because he shoots cars like women, yeah. I essentially, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. made every shot of her was basically either looking up her skirt or looking down her top. That was essentially it. So I think everyone got the idea. All she could really do was be a pretty, you know, be a pretty face on camera. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I've I've got a lot of time for Megan Fox, especially after like I said, especially after watching Jennifer's Body, which I hadn't seen in a long time, um, and I really enjoyed it. And this film, it's not like. You know, it's not kinship with Jennifer's body, but mm. it shows she has got a bit of range and she has an enjoyable actress to watch. And she has got, again, because she has a, she has a very attractive woman, she's got a screen presence. Like, she is magnetic. You do want to look at her on screen, which I guess is part of acting. You've got to be... You've got to have something that you want to watch you, you know? Yeah, there, you've got to be charismatic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why, you know, in every single, you know, Avengers film, Thor has to get shut off at some point. You know, that is... People need to see that. It's something that is, it brings think, people in. Yeah. I think they got sick of my letters and they're like, okay, we'll take his shirt off again, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, um, Till Death, it's on Netflix. It's like, you don't have to go and pay. See, it's on your Netflix already. Um, it's Friday night viewing, I would say. It is a very solid six out of 10. Cool. Okay. I might, I might invest in it. Yeah. yeah especially it's, kind of, it's, it's not quite as clever as Gerald's game. Remember Gerald's game, the one with the. Mm -hmm. um, it's not quite as yeah. clever as that, but it's still enjoyable. Oh, okay. I might, I might check it. I was going to watch it last night. It was a, a potential, but sort of echoes when the day. So yeah, possibly. Yeah, Could I look for it. it. Um, on from that, the only cinema release I've seen this week, and that is The French Dispatch, um, directed by Wes Anderson, who obviously did films like The Grand Budapest Hotel, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Life Aquatic. Your camera's turning into a sort of Wes Anderson film right now, as a cat <laughs> keeps wandering by. Um, <laughs> the plot of this film is that there is a essentially a magazine, a sort of like the, a New Yorker type magazine um, based in Paris, which is so, um, which is the, um, it's uh, the, 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 the French outpost of a local Kansas paper, from, you know, and it's sort of they write about, they write about okay. the world and politics from a, a, a world perspective around just, you know, little, little tiny Kansas. Mm. It's run by the, the editor who dies. And part of his, his writ is uh, the, the final issue. When, when, once he dies, the issue that's in production, then that will be the final issue. You know, there'll be no more after he, after his death. So, and this is, okay. the film is sort of a series of maybe three, three, three and a half vignettes of the three or four stories that go into the final issue um, of the French Dispatch. Um, okay. And that's, so that's what you're getting. Um, Bill Murray plays the editor. Um, the, the sort of other stories, the little vignettes, they've got Isaiah cast as Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Timothy Chalamet, Owen Wilson, Jeffrey Wright, Francis McDormand, Leah Seydoux. Um, also, you've got Lee Schreiber popping up in there as well. Elizabeth, oh, Elizabeth Moss pops up in it as well. Basically, anyone who's anyone pops up in this fucking film. So it's a stellar cast. I mean, that's massive cast. Massive, massive cast, talent, cast. and they're huge, huge talent. So yeah. did, it, did, it, did it do their jobs? Is, is the question, I guess. Obstantially, yes. Um, I am not the biggest of Wes Anderson fans, but I have warmed to him in recent years. His style is very much his own style. He's one of the few. He's one of the few directors you can actually look at now and go, when you see his film, you know it's his film. You know, there's mm -hmm. not much. There's not many guys who do it like him. I think maybe the Cobras yeah. have their own distinct style. Tarantino obviously has his distinct style. I would say yeah. Spielberg as well, Scorsese. But there's not actually that many you can watch one frame of the film and go, "That is that director." But Wes Anderson is one of those guys. You go, "That is a hundred percent a Wes Anderson film." And again, he's making a Wes Anderson film. You know, it's, it's every inch of that. Um, 
there's three sort of main stories in it. The, the, the first one's just more of an introductory story with Owen Wilson. That's just fun and silly, and that's enjoyable because Owen Wilson. The other three stories, the first one worked really well for me. That's a story of an artist and it's in his muse. Mm-hmm. I really like that one. The second one's all about a sort of a, a sort of a student uprising in France, and it's got Timothy Chalamet, and I just didn't really vibe on that one quite right. as well. Um, and the third one is Jeffrey Wright um, sort of looking back on a hostage situation he happened to be reporting on when he was um, in France. Um, he played a very much a James Baldwin type figure, um, if you know, if you've ever seen uh, him in documentaries. So, so I really enjoyed the third one as well. It worked. The second one felt a bit more flat to me. Um, it is a phenomenal cast, like you said. All great actors, all do what they're supposed to do well because they're in, they, they are good at what they do. Yeah. But there is a bunch of people in absolute non-roles who don't do anything. Like right. Henry Winkler's in this film and doesn't have a line. But it's Henry Winkler, though. That's that's the point. Bob Balaban's in it, yeah. doesn't get a line. Lee Schreiber maybe has five lines in it. Elizabeth Moss, who is, you know, fucking Elizabeth Moss. Yeah. She gets two lines at most. And it feels an absolute waste. Even Ed Norton gets like a mumbled French line. So it feels but, an absolute waste to have these people in it and not give them something to do. But are those scenes relevant? Could they seem the relevant. The scenes? Yeah, yeah. it's irrelevant. I mean, it makes the, the actors, they make sense in the scenes and everything's fine. But mm-hmm. to have these kind of people in it and not give them anything to do, just feels, it almost feels like you're just getting, you know, fa- facial recognition. You know, go like, oh, is that's that, fine. Is, is that his thing? Is, does it, I mean, is I think that it, like... It, it is to some degree, but I feel like that a lot of other times people want to have more to do. And it doesn't feel like there's more story here that he's just cut out. It doesn't feel like that. It does feel generally like they're brought in for this one role. And Wes Anderson's a guy who people like to work with. He's a good director. You've been yeah, yeah. on your CV, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it feels a real waste to have these people in a film and not allow them, not give them anything to do. You know, And that felt a real waste to me. Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing I know a lot about, the three stories never combine. You know, they're all three very oh, much... Okay distinct individual stories. The tying framing thing is, is the fact that in the magazine um, yeah. and Bill Murray kind of floats through at the, at the beginning and end of each one as he sort of discusses it with the writer. So he's sort of like the, the, the book, the book ends of each story. Yeah. Yeah, so very much, if you're a fan of Wes Anderson, it's very much a Wes Anderson film and you'll enjoy it. Um, I've heard a lot of people say it's very much like the Royal Tenenbaums. People who like that really enjoyed this. Um, I, 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 laughed through it. I didn't laugh continually through it, but it had enough giggles in it and enough moments in it that I really enjoyed it. It's very well written as well. Um, But yeah, I I enjoyed it. Just I felt a bit unfulfilled by the endings. Uh, And also just I felt a real waste of like, you know, guys in it for like such little work. You know, know, I want to see more of them. Standout performance? If there was one? I think. Del Toro playing the, the... Prisoner was good, and his news, Leah Sidhu, she was really good in it as well. I really liked her. Jeffrey Wright probably has the most dialogue of anyone in it. He was he was good, but Jeffrey Wright, he's got that voice, you know, it just you know, yeah. totally works. Um, he's a watcher, yeah. He's a watcher, yeah. Um, <laughs> they, they, they were favourite, they saw Saronin in it for literally two scenes. And how, how, is, how, is, how is the hurricane? How is Bill? He was playing curmudgeonly. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. does do commercial well though. I mean, he is a commercial. He's just fucking typecast now. Just, yeah, know, although he's been cast in Ant Man the Wasp, not Ant Man the Wasp, oh. Ant Man Quantum Yeah, yeah, he's been oh. he's been cast in that. 
that's interesting, Bill. Yeah. I'm surprised that he actually took a Marvel role as well. Um, maybe he's, he's not as um, crazy as Bill think. Possibly. Yeah, um, uh, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It, it's it's very. It knows what it is, and it knows the audience it's pitching to. Um, I don't think it will make him pick up any new fans. Yeah. But those who are fans of him, I think, will be very fulfilled by it. I don't. I'm trying to think about West Anderson films I've seen. Um, I've seen the Grand Budapest Hotel in the cinema because it was they were doing a rerun of Oscar films. I mean, I remember you quite thought, enjoyed the Grand Budapest. Yeah, I, I did. I really enjoyed it, and I don't think I'd really seen anything of him before that. And then after that, I seen um, Steve Sissou in the, the Life Aquatic. You like that I one really as well, enjoyed, I remember? Yeah, I liked that as well, but I think that's maybe all I've seen of West Anderson. Fantastic, Mr. Fox. No, I've never seen that. That's really good. That's my favourite. Um, his first film is a film called Bottle Rocket. If you get a chance to find that, look for it. But it's, it's, that is one that's completely different from anything else he's done. Um, and I'd be really intrigued to know, I was, I was discussing with someone else, like, could Wes Anderson do a non-Wes Anderson film now? Oh, could could yeah. he shoot differently now? That'd be intrigued to know, because he's very much got his style. Um, yeah. I did feel, even going to see the cinema, even going to the cinema, he watched the film, I felt underdressed, you know, because everyone looks... <laughs> You know, apps, you know, spectacular, <laughs> and I'm walking in with my usual garb, which is not the most stylish of them um, outfits usually. Um, so, do you think it's becoming an event for people to go and see Wes Anderson? Maybe it's like you know, they'll maybe kind of do that, and then you don't have to make a night about out in fancy restaurants and stuff. Like that. Do you think I'm not sure of that, but it's definitely high, he's, highbrow. He's, he's, a, he's a director who's um, his name sells a film as much as anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sold as a wet, you know, same way Tarantino sold, Scorsese sold. Um, I've noticed it recently, I've noticed recently with the new Edgar Wright film, it's been promoted as the next Edgar, Edgar Wright film. Wright's, yeah. You know, yeah. He's the one who's appearing on all the chat shows talking about it. It's not a, It's not so much the yeah. actors, it's him that's doing it. So that's really interesting. Well, what I found really weird with that, I was musing on this the other day, is it's, um, it's Edgar Wright, director of Baby Driver, whereas Edgar Wright, for me, is more synonymous with um, zombies and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think if you're going to go from a marketing perspective, I think yeah, yeah. it's the biggest film. So that no, makes definitely. more sense. But it's just really weird seeing that. It's not you know, Edgar Wright, Shaun of the Dead. It's Edgar yeah. Wright, Baby Driver. It's, it's a weird shift, isn't it? it I think Shaun of the Dead was still seen as a genre piece, whereas Baby Driver yeah. film actually broke through into the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just weird because obviously we've kind of appreciated it more from before Baby Driver was the phenomenon it was, do you know what I mean? So uh-huh. it's just weird to see it, it changing gears like this Aye, and becoming... The, the market to yeah. certain audience. But yeah, yeah. and so, yeah. White Anderson's very much in that mind, he's sort of the guy who the, the, um, the, built, the film is built on the back of him, him as much as it is the actors. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I'll give it a very solid 7 out of 10. Cool. Cool. That's not a bad score at all. Um, I'll maybe, I'll, if it's still in the cinema, once I'm off these horrendous shifts I'm doing, I'll maybe try and catch it. But I I'm, do I'm not think it will be. I think yeah. it's already dying. I think it's down to like one or two showings this week already. Like by, by the new, yeah. I think it's one of those kind of films where everyone goes and see. Everyone who wants to see it sees it in the first two or three days, and then after that, it's it's gone. It, it's gone, yeah. Which which is a shame. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm missing just now with these horrible shifts I'm working because I won't yeah. get to go to the cinema until not next week, but the week after. It's sure the next time I'm going to get to go again. So I've got a lot of catching <coughs> to do as well. So it sucks. Um, yeah, yeah, the tough life, man. Working life is horrible. Working life is not good fun all the time. <laughs> um, okay, on to the last film of the week then, and it's one that's on Amazon Prime. It came out in 2018, they were both made, but it's actually I think Amazon Prime very recently, and that's a film called Parallel, um, directed by uh, Isaac Esban, which I wanted you to watch because 
he'd rated that film The Similars a few years ago, the one with the, the Mexicans oh, in the train station, the bus Jesus, station. Jesus, that was fucking genius. That, that yeah. blew me away, that film. I was no. so, so smitten by that. Was, I, remember, yeah. I remember ranting and raving about it. On, he did, yeah. raving, you know, proper wow. So he, this, this is sort of a follow-up, a follow-up, and it's an English language film this time, as opposed to I think it was Mexican the last one, uh, yeah, yeah. Spanish obviously. Spanish, um, yeah. So part of this film is it's a group of friends who are like sort of program designers in Silicon Valley area, and they find a mirror in the loft of their house that um, basically gives them access to, the, to a parallel dimension. But it's very light there, so time moves a little bit differently. So like, you know, ten hours there is only like twenty minutes here, type thing. Okay. That kind of thing. Um, and it's the parallel dimensions got it's it's basically the same with little differences. You know, there's not, you know, it's just minor things that are different, but it it, it adds up to big differences in, in a way. Yeah. Um they obviously they start using the um the the time differential in order to try and you know <clears throat> make money in terms of like doing their, their work in the other dimension, but then coming back home and having all the time to do so. <laughs> they start using it for that and as anything when it comes to parallel dimension things start to go awry once they start getting noticed by other people yeah, and other things yeah. inside, you know people who are dead in their dimension or alive in our dimension and vice versa so it's that starts to open up all manner of hijinks um, no one of, absolutely no one of note in this film I recognise at all um, you've got Emil Amen Martin Wallstrom George King Mark O'Brien Alisa Diaz didn't recognise any of them from anything. So that's very much as a sort of breakthrough stuff for all them. And I remember that from the, the Simmels as well. No one will know. Yeah, there was I, no, very no much one did, yeah. 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 Um I said, I'm a big fan of like I like parallel dimensiony, time loopy, time travel type stuff. So I was kinda of in the bag for this. It's a very enjoyable sci-fi romp. Um it delved in some really interesting ideas. The cast are mostly okay in it, but it does delve into a little bit soap opera at times, you know, there's a wee bit, you know, which for all we know, the similars was the same, but we didn't notice it. I think it was. Spanish, is, it yeah. a, is it a stylistic choice? Possibly. I don't, I don't know. think maybe. it was in this case. Yeah. Um, it's well paced, um, but like most films that deal with time travel and parallel dimensions, once you start trying to include a third act, the logic tends to sort of disintegrate a little bit. You know, you've seen it in yeah. a lot of films. You know, they sort of, they, they, it's always most hard to nail that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's base. It is very much straight to video, straight to streaming fodder. But ideal Friday viewing. There's not much to say about it. It's, it's an enjoyable romp when you watch it. Um, yeah. and and I, I enjoyed it for what it was. What it's a hundred and about hundred and one minutes or something. It's like you know an hour and forty. So it's not there's not much to it. But yeah. what was there, I, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I enjoyed it the time I was watching it. Does it does it take itself earnestly or, or does it does it play very it's... straight? Yeah, there's there's, there's, there's yeah. some comedy elements to it because there's a few things to do that are quite quite funny, but it does very quickly revert to quite um poor faces and take it very seriously mm. and the sort of comedy yeah. disappears. Once you go over the initial idea of them going into the dimension and coming out of it, the comedy starts to sort of delve away. Once once the fun of once what they're doing is fun stops, the the real kind of like nod and winks stop as well, which maybe is a is a good choice, but yeah, it did sort of the tone shift is there's a wee bit of tone shift with it at that point, but okay, yeah. Okay. If you look for something silly and dumb to watch uh, on Amazon, and um, especially if you spend half a night scrolling through like these streaming services to try and find something to watch, yeah, this is this, yeah. is this is not a bad one to try and try and find. Yeah, um, I, you sold me on, on as soon as you said the similars, I was like, right, I'm, I'm there already. And, and anyone who's not seen that yet, Jesus, go and 
do you know look that one up as well um I, I, I really want to watch this now. I didn't realise it was... It's very different. It's very different from the Samuels. It's not yeah. the same idea. It's very different. Yeah. But it's just interesting that it's the same director. I thought you were intrigued yeah, by that. Definitely. I'm very intrigued by it. Out of 10, sir? Um, six. Oh, cool. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to watch this one. I'll watch it next week sometime. Um, and I'll, I'll let you know on the next podcast. What, solid, very solid viewing. Um, next week, we've got a couple of cinema releases and a couple of Netflix releases to, to go look over. So hopefully you can get at least watch some of the Netflix ones. Um, on Netflix, we have Army of Thieves, which is the prequel to the zombie film oh. that Zack Snyder done, but it's a, it has no zombies in it. It's all about the, the bank robber in that. Oh, right. So it's set prior to the zombie apocalypse. Maybe the zombie apocalypse comes in at the end, but it's not about zombies, apparently. It's all about this bank heist to do. Do we care? That might be the big question, is do we care? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but Netflix basically commissioned this before the one was out, so they are um, very much in the bag for the Zack yeah. Snyder army of... Um, Ar- army of the Dead was quite a disappointment. It, I it just wasn't... I, I was expecting... I mean, I know Snyder's... He is very flaky and hit and this, but I went in thinking Snyder, zombies, that's a good combo. On paper, you know, you're like, surely the man can't go wrong. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Snyder is best when he's got a, a template to work to. Like Dawn the Dead, he had the, already this basically the idea laid out by someone else. You know, yeah, same yeah, with Three Hundred, sure. same idea. Yeah. yeah, I think I think Watchmen's a, a better film. People get prepared for again. The plot's laid out for him. When he's, when he's allowed, yeah, to go, yeah. wa- allowed to go wandering with his own ideas. I think it, I think quickly things fall apart, but still very stylish. Um, yeah, absolutely. Too stylish, stylable substance is the, the problem, isn't it? Probably, yeah. Um, intrigued, intrigued, yeah, yeah. Intrigued, we'll call it intrigued. Um, also, Netflix is out right now. Um, it's called Night Teeth. It's about two young ladies who get into a taxi cab with a gentleman and they basically go on one night of debauchery and craziness. They are probably vamp- they are vampires. and it's Somebody's a vampire, yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 So, looks interesting. Looks like it's yeah. sort of Again, in the ninety-minute realm as well, so it makes you a good, sort of quick watch. Looks very stylish as well. Um, at the cinema, we have some what is, is coming up in Halloween. We get a nice horror out. It's called Antlers. Um, it's out and it looks very creepy, very strange. Getting some very solid reviews out of you know I think a few of the film festivals. That looks yeah. interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's just Stephen Graham in it, which you know amazingly. It's, it's, a, um, it's Scott. What's his face? Uh, Matt Damon, but not in it. Jesse Plemons. Matt- Yes, that's right. Yeah, just yeah. as well. Yes, Matt, Matt and, Damon, but not, but not. not okay, yeah. and it's got a very, <laughs> a very creepy looking kid from what I saw. Yeah, he is. He looks well. He looks like he can act, but it doesn't look yeah. like these kids that can act. He looks like he's proper got a you know, we kind of soulful face about him. So yeah, you've also Kerry Russell on it as well. Who I always like Kerry Russell in most things he's in. Um, I'm sure Stephen Graham is in it. I'm, I'm sure I've seen that. Graham Green is in it as well. If you remember him. Um, well, I know him from Free Willy, but I'm choosing a lot of other stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is he a Free Willy? I may be mix, mixing up some other random Indian-looking man, which might be very offensive to me. To oh, someone thinking of some porn film. He's in Green Mile and he's in Dance of the Wolf and he's in Maverick. Oh my God, he's not in Free Willy and I've mixed him up with some other um, Native American-looking <laughs> gentleman. I do apologise to all Native Americans for that. I know who you mean, sir. I you know what I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, don't ever go to America, you will get scalped. I will be scalped for that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but I'm intrigued by it because it's directed by Scott Cooper, um, who's done some interesting oh, stuff. Okay. He did Crazy yeah. Heart, Out of Furnace, All Styles, which mm-hmm. was really dark and twisted, that film. Uh, Black Mass as well. So he's done some really... He, he doesn't really scrimp on... He's 
he's a violent director, but he's not violent for violence' sake. The, the moments of violence hit because they come and they feel real. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's right. not doing it just right. for the sake of I can show blood, I can show gore. He's he's, he's doing it with a purpose, which it, I it, think it it, it's to move the story. It's, it's yeah. relevant to what's happening always. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's out next uh, next week as well, and also the new Edgar Wright film, Last Night in Soho, which has been much delayed because of all things COVID, but I'm very much looking forward to it. We've seen some mixed reviews for it so far. It seems to be, I think people are saying it looks amazing and he's captured the era beautifully, but yeah. the actual story itself is a bit meh. Uh, um, we'll, we'll I have heard a lot of people say that about Baby Driver as well, and I love Baby Driver. Absolutely, no, sold on it as well. And the trailers for it, I'm, I'm totally, I mean, I'm, I'm completely invested just on the trailers. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to see this, you know, I will see this film, so I'm looking forward to it a lot. Nice one. Tell me where to find us. Uh, you can find us at the number three, Beers in the Movie. Um, we're on all the social media, all everything. We're, we're on it all, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can even email us if you want. You can email us at gmail, gmail.com. Let us know what you think. The, the, are we right? Are we wrong? I don't know. Have you seen the familiars? Tell us about that. We love the familiars. Why have you not seen it? Go watch it. Um, I've been Colin. You've been Richard. And we have been. Three beers in a movie.